What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. Okay, so great segue. Yeah. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit and go okay. into part two. Part two. I was going to start with the CrossFit bang. 100 words, but now I kind of want to start with the soreness. We'll do the soreness first, and then we can go into the CrossFit Okay, so words. what you just said <clears throat> is that soreness can affect RPE. Yes. But it shouldn't... What did you say? Like it shouldn't... Soreness can affect RPE, mm-hmm. but it's not really a good indicator of what your performance for the day is going to be. Yes. Okay. I feel that. That's for sure. Because like you walk in there and you're like, oh, I'm sore. But mm-hmm. like as you go, you're like, oh, like everything's fine. Yep. But you you might be like, oh, the first couple sets or like, oh, maybe this weight felt like harder, but I was still able to do this, mm-hmm. what I was intended to yeah. do. So maybe we should talk about what soreness is. Yes. And so this is where I think the big disconnect is because people are like, oh, I'm sore. Therefore, my muscles are damaged. And that's just not how things yeah. work. And people right? also, people are like, well, if I'm not sore, it means I didn't work hard enough. Like, yeah. I, needed to be, I need to be sore mm-hmm. to make gains. And that's not true either. So, I think, I think we should do two things. Mm-hmm. I think we should talk about what soreness is. And then I think we should talk about what actually causes the change in muscles that leads to improvement. Right. I, yeah, I think the most important thing is that they're different. They are different. They're separate. 100%. They're not yeah. the same thing. So the first thing is what causes soreness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and talk about a couple things of like, this is what we thought, and then I'm going to yeah, say yeah. this is the actual case. Okay. So the first thing is people, this is probably the most common thing that you hear, is you hear that muscle damage yeah. causes soreness. And that's just not true. Right? So... You can have a muscle that gets damaged somehow, and mm-hmm. it, it might be sore, and it might not. It just depends, right? Mm-hmm. If you do a workout, and you don't get sore afterwards, does that mean that you didn't cause any damage to the muscle? No, right? There are plenty of times that, like, let's say we're squatting. Mm-hmm. The first couple times I squat in a cycle, maybe I get a little bit sore. Then by the end of the cycle, even if it's a hard squat, squat workout, I don't get sore at all. Does mm-hmm. that mean that we didn't incur any damage? No. We probably did, right? But we're not feeling soreness. So what hap- what's happening? What's going on, right? So there's a difference between the muscle damage yes. and soreness. Yes, so they're not the same thing. So the actual just muscle itself, yeah. right? And like that's just speaking of it in general, not mm-hmm. the individual parts because we're going to get into that a little bit. It would bit. be nice if what you felt was equivalent to what's going on, but, but we know not, that's never... Not, yeah, yeah, no. Not the case. So that's the first thing. 
Wait, I also want to, like, say that muscle damage is not a bad thing. Like, people hear the word damage, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, God, I'm damaging myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you have any words to say about that? Listen, um, you if you want to get stronger, there is no way to avoid muscle damage. There it's is. going to happen, right? Yeah. It's just kind of like, it's like training in general. Too much is probably not a good thing, and too yeah. little means you get nothing. The it, the key is in, you're going to love this, the key is in the dose, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's about how much are we getting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause what happens when you get some muscle damage An okay amount? So as long as the muscle damage is caused by mechanical tension, which is what mm-hmm. we're going to get into later, mm-hmm. then you get a response, right? Which means yeah. that your body recovers the tissue and then adapts it to be prepared for more load in the Great. future. So like causing that damage or like the stress response is what puts our body into recover, repair, build, adapt yes. mode. Mm-hmm. That's what Great. starts the inflammation, like the inflammatory pathway response that yeah. leads to Building. So inflammation is not the root of all evil. That's right. We're going to we talk about that later. Okay. Too. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I know. It's all interconnected. I know. It really is. It's all connected, man. Crazy scientist. Yeah. Um, so is that from something? I no, it's, it's the meme. Really... You haven't seen the the dude that's like got the crazy hair. He's like aliens, bro. Like. I don't, I don't no. know. Okay. I feel like you know more memes than me. Probably. Gra- okay. Grandma Hannah over yeah. here. Okay. So. Back to what causes soreness. The other thing that people talked a lot about was metabolites, right? So these are byproducts of training that kind of like hang around in our muscle after we do work. And people think that the presence of these metabolites is what causes the, the, um, the, the sensation of soreness, right? Okay. There's a couple okay. issues with this. The first one is if that was the case, we would always get sore when these metabolites were present. Yeah. And you don't, I mean, you don't really get sore off of just metabolites. Exactly. Anything. You could literally inject the metabolites into your muscle yeah, and it wouldn't get sore. Soreness. There you go. Okay. Right? So that's that, right? I mean, that's kind of clear cut and dry. Some people will be like, oh, lactic acid. Lactic acid doesn't really stick around long enough to actually like damage your muscle either. I don't remember the exact number, but it's not, it's not there for a long time. Right? Yeah. I want to say... Within an hour, it's completely gone, but it might even be yeah. much faster than that. It is, yeah. So, yeah. like, the next day, you're not sore because you need to flush the, the lactic, lactic acid. acid. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. gone. It's out. It's been yeah. flushed. Now, if you... if you So, here's the thing, oh, right? God. If you're sore and the next day you move around some and you don't feel as sore, does that mean that that whatever is causing the soreness is gone? Or is it just a perception? It's yes, not a threat that's it, right anymore. there. Yeah, so it's not even that it's a threat. It's just your body is desensitizing the yeah, tissue. Yeah, yeah, It's the same way that rolling works, the same way that stretching, all this stuff. All it does is just make you feel a little bit better. You're not causing structural changes, right? Yeah. So now we can get to the thing that actually causes soreness. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is damble, or excuse me, damage to muscle spindles and the actual nerve terminals in your muscle, right? Mm. So the structure of the nerve that's connecting to a muscle fiber and telling it to contract, damage to that structure, right, is what causes soreness, right? And also spindles because the muscle spindles travel through the muscle, right? Yeah. You're kind of tracking where I'm going with this. The damages to those individual bits of tissue Mm -hmm. is what seems to cause DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. Okay. So, like, how do we know... Because there's other damage that's occurring. Mm -hmm. How do we know that it's this damage, not that damage, that makes us feel this way? So the damage to that stuff generally only happens when those exact uh, terminals have not been used much. 
Ah, okay, which so, is why, like... Which is why when you do something new that you're not used to, like you, you, tend, week off. you tend to get more sore, and it's because those structures have not been built up as much, right? So, okay, let's say we're damaging the nerve terminals. Is there a point of damaging them so much that the nerve is not able to tell the muscle to contract? I don't think so. Not really. Um, I don't... The answer to that would need to be researched way further, yeah. right? As long as you're staying well within the amount of work capacity that you can normally do, then no, right? If I have a beginner come in and we do three sets of eight back squats on their first day and they've squatted before, maybe it's been a month or two, but as long as we keep the weight at a relatively okay range and they're not like grinding out every single rep, they're going to get sore. But the idea that like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to damage that nerve. No, dude. Like, oh god, no. anything you can do is going to damage that, right? You could go for a two-minute jog, and you might get sore because you never jog, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's the whole idea. Like, oh, I need to avoid damage. Damage is how you get better. If mm-hmm. you don't load and dose the tissue and break mm-hmm. it down a little bit, mm-hmm. you're not going to get any better, anyways. You could go through life not damaging anything, and then you'd be, you'd be a frail, right? A slug. Yeah, a you, slug. yeah. You just you wouldn't be able to do much of anything, like. Yeah. Our body is made to respond to these things, right? That's yes. how it works. So saying, oh, soreness is horrible because I'm damaging the nerve terminal. No, dude. That's, it's just how things work. It's how it happens, right? So, okay. Soreness, what we think we know from more research is yep. more from the micro, very tiny damage that happens to the nerve terminals. Yes. Which then, of course, grows and repairs and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And which, then at some point, we don't get sore from that exercise anymore, yeah. right? And doesn't mean that we're not getting better. What yeah. that means is that the muscle damage is not what's making us sore. If the terminal is used to firing and used yes. to dealing with that increased stress, then the terminal no longer takes the damage required to produce DOMS. So, so that's I've, why soreness is not a good indicator of whether you're actually making progress or not. Yeah, like I, I will take a week off next week to mm-hmm. go on vacation and then yep. I come back and I will do the same thing that I've been doing and I will be incredibly sore. Yep. And it's not because I've caused more damage mm-hmm. or caused more hypertrophy or whatever. It's just I wonder now what the recovery period is and like how sensitive, sensitive these nerve terminals really are. Because like I can take a week off and then boom. I'll be sore again. Mm-hmm. I think it's variable from person to person, right? Some people... Well, that's an annoying answer. Uh, well, I'm that's sorry. ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody's here to make you happy, Hannah. Come on. Um, it, it varies from person to person. I could not squat for a week and then squat and I'll probably be fine. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably due to the fact that I've done a ton of squat volume in the past. And so my, my legs will be more... The nerve terminals in my yeah. legs are much less likely to decay because I use them super, super often and I have for a long time. Yeah. Right? Um, it's kind of like if somebody – trying to find a good example. If somebody used to be a long-distance runner mm-hmm. and then they take a year off and they only run every once in a while but not that much and then they take like a month off of running completely and they come back and they run a mile, are they going to get crazy sore? No. Are they going to get a little bit tired? Yeah, maybe. Whereas somebody else who hasn't run for a while and then runs a mile might Mm -hmm. get incredibly sore, Mm -hmm. right? It's all based on that past person's experiences. It's much less likely if I use a certain set of fibers in my muscle repeatedly, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch over time, Mm -hmm. then it's likely that that structure is going to degrade as much, right? So like the, the, 
the tissue that's surrounding that nerve terminal, right, is much less likely to degrade enough to where some small amount of mm -hmm. stimulus is going to damage it. So what I'm really interested in, which like we don't know this, I don't know how you know this, is at what point does this sensation or this amount of damage amount to pain? Like at what point and what are the factors that make this person perceive this as, or, and this person's nervous system perceive this as a threat, as injury versus soreness? So there's two things. The first one is I think if you are, if you've experienced this station a lot, mm -hmm. you probably are going to know the difference between soreness and pain very easily, right? Yeah. For me, I've been working out for a really long time. I wrestled for like 16 years before yeah. I got involved in like the sport, quote unquote, of like fitness or lifting weights, whatever, you know, however you want to define it. So for me, soreness feels very normal. I wake up, I'm yeah. sore. I'm like, oh man, I'm sore. Dang it. Oh, shucks, right? Whereas somebody else might wake up and be sore and be like, oh my God, I'm sore. I have to not do anything today, right? Yeah. It's very much going to be dependent on that person's background. And then for me too, I've had rhabdo twice. Oh, God. Both times before I started CrossFit. So both times that I got it, it was very clear that there was a difference between soreness and what I was experiencing. Mainly because there's also swelling with the nearby yeah. joint involved. Um, and also because there's other symptoms that pop up, right? It's not yeah. just, oh, this is like so sore and tender to the touch. Okay, so that's what's also really interesting to me is like you can incur so much muscle damage that it's too much for your body to process and you get something called rhabdomyolysis. And like literally your pee is brown. If you're experiencing this, please go to a hospital. Yes. And like how did you feel when you had rhabdo? So the first time that I got it, I got it in my left tricep, okay. right? After, uh, if anybody went to the Citadel, they'll know what this is. I was a guard. So when I was bva we did a thousand push-up day and I got rhabdo in my left tricep, right? So when, and I was in Your left tricep sucks, dude. Yeah, bro. It's very weak. Well, you know, I'm a right-handed <laughs> man, so. But, so. How did your tricep feel? First, it got really sore. Like okay. immediately after this, I usually go and take a nap. So I took a nap and mm -hmm. I woke up literally within a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Woke up like throbbing soreness. Okay. Uh, sensitive to the touch. Okay. And also swollen. Swole. Yeah. Not like I pump swole, but like the muscle itself was inflamed. Like yeah. as, a, as a general statement. Yeah. Because what rhabdomyolysis is, if you break all that down. What is rhabdomyolysis? It's myolysis. Because it's lysing of the muscle cells, um, so lysis of myo. Uh, Go ahead, bro. Look I it know. up. I'm yeah. Just gonna, yeah. If you want to prove yourself wrong on air, by all means. I already have. Yeah. Rhabdomyolysis. Yep. Shit. My rhabdomyolysis. Where did I myolysis? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, well, I suck. All right, yeah, keep okay. going. Anyways, aren't you like a scientist or something? <laughs> Anyways, so what's happening with rhabdo is the muscle cells themselves, right, are splitting. And they're spilling proteins and ketones and stuff into yeah, yeah. your blood, right? That's what it is. And your kidney is not made to filter those mm -hmm. molecules out because they don't normally run around in your bloodstream. So that's what happens when you get, like, your pee turns brown. That's yeah. why you can incur kidney damage from it. Like, that's why. Because it's not made to filter part of, like molecules of that size out of your blood, but it tries to anyways. So that's a situation in which you have, like, really done way too much you've gone way past the, yeah the place where you should have but there's a point that like way before that 
that people feel pain mm-hmm. or injured where they're not causing this. They're not having rhabdo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, so it's like this, again, like no man's land between like this normal muscle damage that occurs with lifting. And like, obviously we're talking about more, I don't even want to say chronic, but not like, oh, you sprained your ankle. Mm-hmm. More of like training injuries. Yeah. There's a point between the soreness of like, oh, I've incurred some damage to my nerve terminals. I'm definitely going to say that all the time now. <laughs> and rhabdomyolysis, yes. where people still like still feel threats. Their their body still feels like, oh, this is too much for me. This is an injury. You should stop, or like you should look further into this. But it's not. I would say that comes down to a couple things. The first one is going to be general pain tolerance. And we know that that varies pretty highly from person to person. The second thing that I would say is that people that are less used to getting sore are probably much more likely to feel shitty from this. Hmm. Right? If you're not used to soreness and it's a fairly new or novel sensation or it's just not one that you're super used to, Mm -hmm. then you're probably much more likely to be crazy sensitive to it. Yeah. I think what I'm saying is like there's people that come in all the time that like are experiencing pain or injury, but they didn't have rhabdo. Yeah. Then they're not experiencing rhabdo. Otherwise, like I would be If you have rhabdo, you know. Right? Yeah. It's not a question of, oh, I'm really sore. I think I, I have, have rhabdo. If, you're pay- if, if you are adequately well hydrated and you've been like making sure of that or whatever and your pee is much darker than usual, mm-hmm. probably dealing with rhabdo. There's a couple other things that usually lead to it that you can say, did I take a bunch of time off and then come back yeah. and do a ton of work? And did I used to be in really good shape and now I'm not, but I still do this a lot of work and now I'm extra, extra sore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably a lot. And rhabdo doesn't mm-hmm. really equate to like load lifted it's more about like absolute total number of contractions that seem to be the issue Hmm. right if you do murph Mm -hmm. yeah you're probably more likely to have rhabdo than if you bench four sets of five right so what causes now this like muscle damage or growth because it's like so what's the difference between like the things that cause soreness and the things that actually because they are different yeah so what causes adaptation So, um, for sure, what we know causes adaptation is mechanical tension on muscle fibers, right? Um, so, like, reps like this? I mean, it depends, right? The absolute amount of tension um, is going to depend. And, like, what rep range you're doing it in is going to determine which muscle fibers actually grow. Um, and then also, like, like, let's say that I do partial stuff, right? Or I'm that a partial... you use this, the E-stem. That's what people are doing these days. But there's no mechanical tension. Exactly. Yeah, that's the problem. So that's why you can be like, oh, well, the muscle contraction, nope, because you can use electrical current to cause the muscle contraction, right? The mechanical tension placed, that's why you can get bigger from like a farmer's walk, right? You see people do like a yoke carry or farmer's carries and their traps like like strong men, their traps blow up. Is it because they're constantly doing shrugs? No. Is it because they're constantly doing overhead pressing? Sometimes, but sometimes just having the muscle under extreme amounts of tension, mm. right? Like, and not like tension, like, oh, I'm flexing it. Like mechanical tension. There is a load being placed on the tissue yeah. that the fibers are dealing with, right? Even if I'm not really like contracting it while I'm For doing sure. it, right? Yeah, it's just hanging. Yeah, exactly. There's actually, and this kind of serves my point, there is a study where people stretched 
a single muscle group for like an hour straight. It's miserable. Like, yeah, it's miserable. Like, but, intensely. Yeah. But like, not like, painful? oh, I'm just like hanging out. Like, ooh. Like, ah. Uh, uh, this is rough. Like, yeah. eight out of ten, like, For an discomfort. hour. Like, for, bicep stretch for an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do that, right, you will still, you will incur hypertrophic effects, which means that the muscle will grow and it's because of the mechanical tension. They didn't do any reps and sets. They didn't put any weight on it. They just held it, right, under that strain for a certain amount of time. So stretching prevents injuries. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so you should stretch. You should spend... So you have like 24 hours in a day. You yeah. can get like a lot of big muscle groups. Yeah, that's right. You can hit 24 muscle groups. No. So I, I wonder <clears throat> also what the effect... Like how much hypertrophy compared <clears throat> to like the control group? Or compared... Did they have a lifting group? Um, I'm sure that's going to be hard to study. Mainly yeah. because... You are not going to be able, unless you like do a really complicated setup, you're not going to be able to control how much mechanical tension those people are placing mm. on the muscles during mm. the stretch. Okay, so what causes mechanical tension? How can we get more mechanical tension? You can increase load. Mm. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> you can, I mean, you can change your form to place to place strain mm -hmm. on different muscle groups. Mm -hmm. Which, like, Elliot loves this, where he's like, oh... Form is a form, stress allocator. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it is, right? Totally. Yeah. And that's also why, like, in the name of efficiency, you should be trying to spread... Mm -hmm. um, you should be trying to spread load to as many different tissues as possible. That way you have more muscle fibers incurring, like, less individual strain which is why my deadlift should look less like rdl's that's right yes for those of you who don't know <laughs> whatever hannah, they've gotten better I hannah think. rdl'd for years and years and years instead of deadlifting because it gave me more booty gains like i was focusing on my posterior chain more yeah booty gains that's the only reason we work out right isn't that why you work out well i mean it's probably more your hamstrings but i will and my hamstrings <laughs> still suck for some reason Okay. Yeah, anyways, this is enough me. Yeah. So load increases me mechanical tension. What about volume? So, yeah, if we're talking about like a single rep, then yeah. the way that you increase mechanical tension is, is through that. Yeah, yeah. Now, volume, you're increasing like a couple things. Maybe the amount of time that you're under mechanical tension, right? Or the rep range that you go through mechanical tension with, which is going to determine like what different groups of muscle fibers get mm -hmm. that mechanical tension in order to cause the change. That's why like a partial rep, you might only hit certain muscle fibers, but yeah. a full range of motion, you're going to get more because there are more yeah. muscle fibers in, you know, involved with that level of contraction, right? So then why wouldn't you just do sets of 20 for everything? There's a couple reasons. Um, the first one is that the way that you train the muscle is kind of what it's going to mm. to adapt to, right? You can get hypertrophy. We know this now. You can get hypertrophy for any rep range, yeah. right? Even for like singles, as long as it's close enough to like to quote unquote failure, right? Like mm -hmm. to muscle fatigue, then you can still get a hypertrophy from it. Now, some of that will be useful hypertrophy for the task that you want to do, and some of it won't, and it really depends on what you're trying to do. Depends like for weight, yeah, for weightlifting, tens like back squat tens are a good way to increase the general amount of work that we can do, and it is going to make our legs bigger and stronger. But some of that hypertrophy won't serve us well in the snatch clean and jerk. Right? We yeah. don't want big legs for no reason. We want big legs, and we want all of those muscle fibers that we've just gotten to be used for snatch clean. Which is why beginners will do lots of squat volume, and as you get better, you're going to do tens less and less, right? Mm -hmm. 
If you're like Olympian level, you've been doing this for seven or eight years, you might do tens once every two years. And that's it, right? Because because we want, you only have so many more adaptations that you can fit in. You're starting to get close yeah, to that area yeah. where your, your minimum effective dose and your maximum recoverable volume are very close. So now we have to be really careful about what kind of adaptations we're getting from your training, right? At that point, yeah. we already have a big general base. We can extend that a little bit, but if we extend it too far, we're going to have adaptations that aren't going to serve us for snatch clean and jerk. Therefore, we have to be even more specific with our training. Yeah, because you're yeah. so specialized at yes, that point. Yes, exactly. You're not just trying to get adaptations to get adaptations. Yeah, you're trying to get yeah, specific. Yeah. So is there a rep range that most people, general population, would see the most benefit from? Yeah, so because most the popular, like gen pop, because mm-hmm. most people are relatively untrained, um, or if you're in like the first two to three years mm-hmm. of your um, like training journey, whatever you want to call it, right? If you're yeah. like still what you would say beginner, mm-hmm. um, I would recommend that if you're trying to build bigger muscles, mm-hmm. north of six, mm-hmm. you could get up into the 12 to 14, mm-hmm. maybe 15 range, but I wouldn't go much past that. Mm-hmm. Muscle endurance is useful to be able to train more, mm-hmm. but if you all you do is muscle endurance all the time, mm-hmm. then you're never really going to actually get stronger also. And you want bigger muscles, but you also want to be able to place more mechanical tension on them because the more mechanical tension you can place and survive from the more adaptation you're going to get exactly well maybe not even bigger muscles but the more power you can produce or the more strain you can take or whatever so okay yeah you don't always want to train in this one range yeah right exactly you should spend some time in that one some time in this one right all this stuff and then if your goal is to be a bodybuilder then maybe your goal is to like yeah we want to place more mechanical tension but i still want to get the hypertrophic changes so maybe i stay above eight and not north of 15 like in between eight to 15 Mm -hmm. now if you're a power lifter or a weight lifter then you might do some of your work up in that that range but a lot more of it's going to be like three to six or Mm -hmm. if you're peaking obviously that's a different conversation nobody ever does seven we just mentioned a world where you're like eight and below six. Some people do sevens. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is kind of like right in the middle of some of those like ranges that it's people tend to. It's also just like to. an annoying number. Eh, yeah, yeah. Like fives are fine. Yeah. But seven. I'm, and like I also never do nines. Like no one ever gives you, okay, you're going to do 11 squats. Unless yeah, you're like not, in CrossFit. Not usually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I want to be able to touch on this CrossFit in a in hundred words. <laughs> And it, so this is a, this is old. This is like how Greg Glassman described CrossFit, right? Um, But it just got brought back up like right before the games. So I want you to read it. And I want you to tell me why you have so many problems with it. Yeah, so I'm pulling it up right now. Um, Hannah already said this. This is pretty old. Um, It's been around for a long time. um, And it hasn't changed, right? That's the big thing. It has not changed. So I'm going to read it real fast. And it's world-class fitness in 100 words. Eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. Keep intake to levels that will support exercise but not body fat. Practice and train major lifts, deadlift, clean, squat, presses, clean and jerk, snatch. Similarly, master the basics of gymnastics, pull-ups, dips, rope climbs, push-ups, sit-ups, presses to handstands, pirouettes, flips, splits, Holds. Flips. Yep. Bike, run, swim, row, etc. Hard and fast. Five or six days per week. Mix these elements in as many combinations and patterns as creativity will allow. Routine is the enemy. 
Keep workouts <laughs> short and intense. Regularly learn and play new sports. That's <laughs> fitness in a hundred words. That's world class fitness. If you want to be fit, you got to so. do rope climbs and flips. It's laughable, dude. Okay, so what are your initial feelings? I'm going to break this into like a couple different pieces, okay. right? I'm going to go into some of it in depth and some of it not so much. Okay. The first one is the nutrition stuff, mm. right? Eat meat and veggies, sure. Nuts and seeds, sure. Some fruit, why some? Right? Yeah. There's yeah. nothing inherently bad about fruit, right? People are like, oh, fructose, it's sugar. <laughs> Who cares? It's fruit. It's yeah. Like just this whole demonizing sugar thing is yeah. so stupid, man. Yeah. Like it gets in your body and then your body breaks it down just like it breaks other carbohydrates down into the base parts of yeah. carbs, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't matter whether it's sugar or, you know, or, or rice. It does not matter. Your body's going to break it down into the same stuff. Mm. People are like, oh, it's going to cause an inflammatory response. Everything causes an inflammatory response. Dumb, dumb. Like, it's so dumb, right? Waking up causes an inflammatory response in a cortisol yeah. spike. Drinking coffee does the same thing. Are waking up in coffee horrible things? No. It, it's just so... People who say stuff like that just lack a fundamental understanding well, just of how it works. Well, they just told. They don't understand. And like they... Because it's buzzwords and people and use that everywhere. to sell products it's or whatever. the fitness myths yeah. everywhere. We'll, inflammation. We'll get into the inflammation thing next. Or next time. Yeah. Or ne- Yeah, maybe next time. Yeah. But we anyways. So, and then little starch, no sugar. We just touched on that a little bit, right? This is another thing. I would refer the majority of like this kind of conversation mm-hmm. out to nutrition experts. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Like we're a partner with Clarity Nutrition, so reach out to them if you really want an in-depth ex- explanation on this. But we know that sugar is not inherently fattening or inherently unhealthy, right? If you're going to gain weight, it's because you're at a caloric excess. However you get there, you could eat nothing but meat and be at a caloric excess and still gain weight, right? It would be a lot of meat. It would be a lot of meat, yeah. So now. Now, it might be that hyperpalatable foods, which have, you know, fats and salt and sugar, just make it so that it's really easy because they're usually very calorically dense, Mm -hmm. right? So it's really easy to get up in calories because you eat them often. Sugar by itself, there's nothing wrong with it, right? And so this whole like, oh, don't eat a lot of fruit, just some fruit. No sugar. Some fruit, no sugar. It's stupid. Like you didn't mention any kind of carbohydrate. It's so dumb. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. Um... That's the diet stuff. As far as the practice and train major lifts, yeah, but they kind of contradict themselves here, right? Saying practice and then later on they see routine as the enemy. Yeah, how do you practice? Yeah, how do you practice then, bro? Like, we know that from a programming standpoint, that routine is in fact the thing that makes you better at what you want to get better at, right? If you want to do double unders, does that mean that you want to confuse your body and only do them once a week? No, you should probably do them like three to four times a week. For some people, maybe even more. If you want to, if you're trying to learn how to do double unders, you need to practice them so often. They don't take a lot of fatigue. Like you're not going to take a lot of fatigue on practicing Mm -hmm. double unders, but it's a skill movement. And the more often you can practice a skill movement, the better you're going to get at it. That's the same reason why when people are like, oh, just to be better at snatches, you shouldn't snatch more. Bullshit, right? What? Why? Because... Like, you, if you want to get better at the things that contribute to a snatch, so mobility, speed, yeah, like those things. limiting you. But even then, you have to take those things and, and practice and apply them into the movement. Yeah. So saying that you shouldn't snatch more is stupid. You, Jordan is pe- high Dude, people off, that guys. say that, once again, you lack a fundamental understanding of how the movements work. You gain 
the physical attributes that allow you to practice them and to do it well, and then you apply them to the movement that you want to apply them to. If you get them and you don't increase the frequency of practicing the movement, you're not going to actually apply them to the movement in the first place. You get, like if I want to be better at snatches, and my mobility is part of what's holding me back, then I work on mobility, Mm -hmm. but I need to be able to apply it to the snatch. Mm -hmm. If I only snatch once a week and I work on mobility, it's not gonna really make my snatch much better unless I snatch more. Now, there's a law of diminishing returns with that. I can't snatch five days a week, but most people can work their way up slowly to snatching three times a week and is good, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing, at some point you are gonna have to back off because your body will get normalized to the stimulus and you won't get as much like bang for your buck, But if you have four months and you want to get better at snatches, then by the end of that, you should be doing probably one day of heavy snatches a week, like at the end of this, one day of moderate, and then one very light like technical Mm -hmm. variation day, right? So Mm -hmm. you should be practicing the snatch three times a week. Anybody who says that you shouldn't do that, in my opinion, not attacking that person, does not understand snatches, right? That's just where I'm at, right? And you can ask any high-level weightlifting coach about this. If somebody has taken somebody to Worlds or the Olympics or Pan Ams and they say that snatching more often will not improve your snatch, then you're not going to find that person because they don't exist, right? Mm. End of discussion. That's it. Great. Got it. Yeah. So the idea that you should be like routine is the enemy is just flat out wrong, right? We know. Why are we demonizing routine? Like, why are we demonizing practicing things and getting better and progressing them? Like, you don't get better at double unders when it shows up once every three weeks. Yeah. You don't get better at toes to bar because you're you're not training it yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, yeah, like, I back squat, like, once every three weeks. Like, why am I not getting better at it? Like, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's very clear. And if you go outside the CrossFit space, everybody... And their mom is going to agree, yeah, you should practice this thing and get better at it yeah. and progress it over time. Even right? like playing piano. Like yeah. I'm not going to get better at playing piano if I don't practice. Yeah. This this fitness in 100 words has not changed in yeah. well over 10 years. That's right? the problem. And this is the other problem with CrossFit as a general statement. Is it CrossFit, like HQ, not like affiliates. Yeah. yeah, but like the brand itself has not changed. The L1 has been the same for over 10 years. And it's, in my opinion, bad. Right, you haven't changed the talk about nutrition, even though we know more now. Mm. You haven't changed the talk about the way that you should lift, right? Well, even though we know more now. Yeah, like the whole weight in the heels or your toes have to be straightforward. We are still teaching that. Why? 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 We know that people are built differently, and also, if you want a more upright squat that's going to mm-hmm. like translate to the Olympic lifts, you should be pushing into your midfoot and like have some weight in your toes. And people will be like, oh, well, weight in the heels is just a cue because so many people can't sit down all the way. No, dude. No. So many people can't sit down on the way because you're telling them to put their weight in their heels yeah. and you're telling them to put their feet straight forward. And that's not how most people work. I, yeah. I don't know many people who can walk into a gym their first day and put their feet straight parallel and squat all the way down. Do they exist? Yeah. Are most people like that? Absolutely not. When people come to see me with issues with their squat, whether it's like, I'm having pain or blah, blah, blah. The first thing, we usually widen their stance. We change mm-hmm. their stance, definitely, yep. and I just tell them to sit down. Yep. And it's okay if your knees travel over your toes. Yep. That require, that's the requirement of you sitting down. Mm-hmm. And don't push your butt back. But yep. in a CrossFit gym, you hear, push your butt back, weight in your heels, yeah. and then get your hips below parallel. And I'm like, how? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At that point. Everything's just so crowded, right? And you don't have to constantly be pushing your knees out the whole time. Well, and that goes back to the whole idea, like whiteboard daily posted this thing a while back Mm -hmm. and 
they got absolutely smashed for it. Um, really? Yeah, they got absolutely fat. Like, it was like show muscles in the front, yeah, go yeah, muscles yeah. in the back. Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about, bro? If we're benching, I'm going to use my go muscles in the back to bench. No, right? If I'm squatting, I'm going to use my go muscles in the back to squat. No, I'm going to use my quads, so right? So were like, saying everything in the front was just for show? Pretty much. I mean, like, yeah, it's a generalized statement. Because you see it in the mirror? Like, yeah. No, you don't look at people's butts? It's, Is that it's, not for show? It's just dumb. It goes back to the whole idea of, oh, your posterior chain yeah, is the yeah. powerhouse of your body. No, dude. Every single muscle you have is the powerhouse of your body, stupid. Like, it's just dumb, man. I don't understand why people say stuff like this. Because they don't know and they're not willing to change. And, like, a lot of it, I think, stems from beliefs that, you know, if you don't push your butt back, you're going to let your knees travel over your toes. And everybody thought that your knees were going to explode. Yeah. Or, like, if you widen your stance. I don't even know why we were so against that. I honestly think a lot of things is, like, we teach them so they look aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. and that they look pretty. Yeah. And we are like putting these people in boxes to be like, oh, ev- oh, I don't really care that you like look different than this person and you train different, but like you should all look the same when you're moving. Yeah. And, but we don't all look the same, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're not built the same. Everything's different. Yeah. yeah. We're but, not okay with movement variability, but we're, well, I mean, are we okay with physical variability? I don't really know, but. Yeah. People freak out when you start to round your back or when yeah. your knees start to cave in. Like mm-hmm. any deviation from what CrossFit says is perfect and normal now is considered injurious or harmful. Yeah. And and it comes back to the same thing. Like in the caption that they posted on this hundred like hundred, you know, fitness in a hundred words thing, they tried to give a little bit of like nuance and clarity on it, but like why are you even posting it? If you have to explain in twelve paragraphs why this yeah. is nuanced and different, then maybe you shouldn't use the freaking thing anymore, dude. Like, it's just, it's very frustrating to me because I think CrossFit is great as a general statement, right? I think that getting people to move, like, is 100% better than them not doing anything. For sure. 100%, no yeah. doubt in my mind, right? And it's like, when people criticize CrossFit, I'm not criticizing CrossFit because I hate it and I want it to end. I want it to be better, yeah. right? And lots of other people who know more have these same criticisms. And instead of CrossFit saying, oh, we hear you, let's look at it, let's examine our biases, let's figure out if we can make this better and do a better job. Because what you should be trying to do is serve your affiliates better mm-hmm. by you know, providing better coaching, right? Like better teaching education. people to be better coached, so yeah. better education, right? And putting out better content, better educational and informational content. But you're not doing those things. You're using this from 10 years ago. Yeah. You're, well, I mean, you're just stuck in the mud. And then when people attack you, you're like, oh, you're a shill for Big Sugar. Or, oh, like, you just, you know, you just want CrossFit to end or you hate CrossFit. No. Like, we are we're giving you criticisms because they are valid claims. And instead of you acting like adults and trying to improve upon yourselves, right? You're just crying and making it sound like everybody's out to get you. Like improve, right? Get better and do a better job. Like I want CrossFit to be a thing and to continue to help people indefinitely. I don't ever want to see it stop, right? And it's frustrating that anytime that you criticize it, people come out of the weeds Mm -hmm. and just start making attacks on you and saying this, that, and the other. It's like, no, I want them to be better and do good so that they can serve people better if that's what people want to do. What's ironic is all, like, I don't know of a single games athlete that participated in the games like a week after they posted this that squatted with their feet 
straightforward. Forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, you watch the way that these people move. Also, like, they're picking up sandbags. They're rounding their backs. They're yeah. They're eating sugar. And everyone's like, well, they're elite athletes. Like... There's no difference, bro. They can just handle more volume and have more work capacity and can move more load than you can. It doesn't mean that they... This is the thing that really just like grinds my gears, right? This is the thing. This This is is one of the things. Acting like those people are special and have special considerations because they are not. Now, does that mean that we might make different choices? Like, for example, JJ, right? Because he has that different fiber type like we talked about earlier, I might make different choices for him than I would for somebody who just... I don't want to say average, but like has normal fiber type distribution, yeah. right? That's just an individualized thing for him. But guess what? He's still going to eat carbs, right? Yeah. He's still going to fuel his body with enough calories to maintain his weight and maintain his activity level. Um, he's still going to move in a lot of different ways. He's still going to move in a lot of different ways. We're still going to be doing like exercises to prime and prep his uh, tissues for the amount of load that he's going to be taking. Yeah. We're still going to progressively load him up over time, slowly but surely, so that he has time to adapt to the newer stimulus before I load him up with more, right? So it's the dosage. It, it is. And that's what they've said that before. Yeah. Like, the fitness for you and your grandma doesn't differ in type. It different, differs mm-hmm. in degree. Like yeah, so then, and then it comes straight out to, so why can games athletes have sugar and cookies but not regular people? Regular people can have them too. You are allowed to have cookies. Yes. Too. It's so dumb. It's so frustrating. What day did they post this? Um, I don't know. I'm not on Instagram. I just looked it up. Um, because what this did was bring a lot of attention to CrossFit and mm-hmm. it was right before the games. Oh, yeah. So, so maybe they're just tr- I doubt that they did it because no, they were trying to be like, I don't oh. think that's the only reason that they did it, but I think, I think their intended purpose was to get everyone hype about CrossFit. Yeah. And instead so that they people got, would watch the games, but they got trashed. They got shut on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so next time we will well, talk more about. I could till eleven thirty. I can't. Okay, that's fine. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> You're like I can keep going. Yeah. Next time we can talk more about inflammation, uh-huh. maybe some cryo stuff. Yeah. Because um, that's super connected. Yeah. There's a, always a million things to talk about. Yeah. But do you um, do you feel like you got enough ranting out? <laughs> you good for the day? You feel like uh, you're gonna go hit the max the, lift? Not for the day. No, it's I'm only eleven. Survive, you got. Yeah. So many more hours. So much more time. Um, yeah, I think the only other stuff that we need to talk about is the inflammation and cryo stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we can touch on the keto if you really want to, but I feel like what I've already said will probably kind of cover that. Yeah, we could probably dive into yeah. it. We can talk about it a little yeah. bit, yeah. All right, so stay tuned for next time. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.